Father God, thank you that you are sovereign over us and over all things. Thank you that you are good and your love is extravagant and powerful. As we open the Bible together now um, and explore it, Jesus, I pray that you'll make clear the truth of it, the truth about you and the truth about us, the truth about life by your Holy Spirit, God. Please release the power of your word. Release it in us and release it through us. Allow it to bring hope, comfort, correction and blessing for us and those around us. In your powerful and wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. For those of you who haven't joined us before, we're currently partway through a six-week series called Life, looking at what Jesus teaches about how life is meant to be lived and lived to, in all its fullness. And today we come to a less comfortable but equally important aspect of life, that of pain and suffering. Specifically, we're going to look at the questions, what do we do when life seems to be falling apart? And how can the, the life and love that Jesus gives impact those situations? Whether it is the sudden or continued illness of a loved one or of ourselves, the loss of a job, mental health breakdown or the breakdown of a relationship, infertility or a miscarriage, or a bereavement of any kind. Life involves pain. It involves heartache and suffering. And we've all been touched by, by, um, by this at, at different times and in different ways. Maybe even now you're currently struggling through a difficult journey. What do we do when we go through these situations? When the rug is pulled from beneath our feet? When that phone call comes through? When we're broken again? or, or we're, we're met with yet another setback or knock. How do we hold on to our faith and hold on, hold on to God? To help us explore this sensitive issue and the issues around it, we're going to look at a passage in the Bible of two broken-hearted sisters and Jesus's fully God and fully human response. The passage from John chapter 11 documents the events of close friends of Jesus Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Lazarus has, had become seriously ill and sadly he dies. Words had been sent to Jesus about this devastatingly sad news and our passage picks up the story as Jesus was arriving in the area. It would have most likely taken place about 10 days before the events of Easter where Jesus himself would die and then be raised to life again. I've asked Hannah if she could read it for us. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live
even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across its entrance. Thank you so much, Hannah. There's so much to think about in those verses. What struck you as Hannah read it for us? What made you think? What were those thoughts? What encouraged you or surprised you? I want to share some things that as I read and prayed through this passage, I believe God wants to highlight for us today to help us keep our faith when it feels like life has fallen apart or is falling apart. The first one is hold on to hope. Verse 17 starts off, it tells us that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days by the time Jesus arrives in the area. Four days. Just let that sink in for a moment. That's a long time after death. Yet despite this, Martha, when she speaks to Jesus, still has hope. She, she still holds on to hope. We read in verse 21, Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Four days later, even now, God's will give you whatever you ask. Martha held on to hope that Jesus could and Jesus would change the situation of her brother's illness. And even now, after his death, she had heard and probably seen Jesus heal many people over the time she knew him. We don't know whether she had been witness to Jesus raising um, the widow's son in, in the town of Nen or the daughter of the religious leader, but most likely she would have heard about them. She really knew Jesus' character and she really knew him. Martha held on to the hope of, of God's, of, of Jesus' ability to bring life. That verse 20, 22, but I know that even now God, I don't say this lightly, but when life falls apart, hold on to hope. Allow the reality of who God is 
and your time spent in relationship with him, knowing him, to determine your faith rather than the human reality of the situation to determine what you believe about God. Martha knew Jesus. He was a friend and her teacher. She, she trusted him and she looked up to him. And in that hopeless situation, she clung on to, onto that and she declared it. I know even now, God, you can. Even now, God, you will. And, and you are able, God. She held on to hope. Now, we can gloss over this familiar story, but this woman, in her grief, chose to hold on to hope, even four days after her brother had died. That is astounding faith. How did she have that level of faith? I think she could only have had that assurance and faith from deeply knowing Jesus, from th those times spent closely, personally with him, as well as all she had heard and learnt about him. She knew him well. She was asking uh, Jesus, speaking to, speaking to Jesus from a place of relationship and of understanding. I know there is tension here. A tension between what we see in the Bible of God's faithfulness and power to change situations and the mystery and seeming absence at times of God at work in the situation that we may be facing. There's conflict between God's faithfulness to his promises as denoted in scripture and God's freedom to choose how and when or whether to act. Bill Johnson, the senior leader of Bethel Church in California, a wonderful church that's seen beautiful moves of God bringing healing, expresses this tension as embracing the powerful revelation of God as healer in one hand and embracing the mystery in the other, forming a cross. We need to hold on to that tension, recognising that God doesn't heal every time. He will eventually, in eternity, perfected healing. But he doesn't heal this side of eternity every time. He's able to, but he, he does, we don't see that every single time. But he's wiser and his ways are higher than our ways. There's a mystery, but, but God is good. He is a healer and he is in the business of miracles and he is extravagantly loving, gracious and faithful. And to help us in that mystery, we focus in on what he is doing and what he is like rather than what we don't see him doing or what we don't see him to be like. We need to start from a place of hope and faith and knowing him, not just knowing about him as we pray, as we go through these, these uh, times where life can feel as if it's falling apart. We hold on to hope because hope keeps faith alive. The second thing I want to encourage us to do is to invite Jesus in. We hold on to hope and we invite Jesus in. And this is inviting him into two things. First of all, into that tension, into that um, tension of holding um, God's healing and the mystery of, of, of not seeing breakthrough, but also inviting Jesus into our suffering. We aren't simply to hold on to hope by ourselves. We need Jesus. We need to invite him in to meet us and we need to talk with him. We need to be real with God. We need to cry with him and we sometimes cry at him. We need to sit in silence before him. 
but we don't have any words but we choose to invite him in and choose to take it to him the two sisters mary and martha and the crowd that they they question him that they bring statements of maybe disappointment with him they're not afraid to do that that they bring that tension to him verse 37 um it says but some of them said um could could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying or to use the phrase of the two sisters their statements in verse 21 um, and, and um, verse 32 if you had been here jesus if you had been there he, he wouldn't have died if you had if you'd been there what questions or disappointments do you need to bring to God what are your if only you had questions on the morning of the 6th of May 2016 I was out doing some street work in Charlton Common with another member of Hope and as we prayed we asked God to lead us to the door of someone who really needed to know his his grace and love that day to make it really clear which door to knock on we started down a road down down a road and the first two doors we knocked and no one was in there was no answer the third door a gentleman opened the door and when when we explained we come from the church and wanted to share Jesus love and grace with him he broke down he explained that earlier that morning he'd said to God God it, that's enough I can't go on I need some sort of sign that you're listening I need your help he was at rock bottom and two hours later we knocked on the door we had the joy of going into his home and sharing with him the love of Jesus. It was a really, really precious and beautiful time, a timely gift to him. We left full of joy and hope and encouragement, filled with, with excitement because Jesus ha has power to meet with people if we just uh, will reach out to them and listen to Jesus and then reach out uh, as he leads us. Later on that afternoon, we were relaxing in the garden, um, Nikki and myself and the children, and, and uh, it was wonderful. The sun was shining, the kids were in the, in the paddling pool laughing loudly, and I felt just such joy and peace in my heart. And then my, my, my phone rang, and a friend in Bath gently explained that one of um, my close friends had taken her own life that morning. I remember exactly where I was when I took that call, probably about four metres away from where I'm recording this sermon. Life and noise and laughter was going on around me, but the news was shattering, completely crushing. And I couldn't get my head around it. I was completely devastated. And over the coming weeks, a month, I, I prayed and I cried, often without words. I, I found I couldn't pray out loud about, um, about this. I, I couldn't verbalise to God what I was feeling and thinking. I could pray about other things. I could pray for other people, but about this, I just couldn't find the words to express what I wanted to God. I had so many questions. How could God lead us to knock on a stranger's door to bring his grace and love at a, at a time of desperation? And on the same morning in another town, someone I knew dearly, how, how come God didn't send someone there? Why didn't he send us to help that, 
um, my, my friends. He got us to help that person, but not, not my friends. Why didn't he get me to call her? Why didn't he send someone round uh, to knock on her door? It just didn't make sense and it just didn't seem fair. And there was just such tension. It took a while for me to process it all. I still have questions, but one of the things that I found really helpful inviting Jesus into this tension was writing my questions down, writing them to God, like prayer letters to God, writing, uh, writing down these questions to God. It, they helped a lot. And in these times of prayer and writing, asking God where he was that day. I remember just writing that question, where were you? And I simply just sat and waited quietly, listening for his reply. There were other times I just simply cried, crying to God. But with all of these things, I was trying to invite God into this tension, this heartache, this heartbreak. And what I found as I was inviting God in and writing things down, I found it, it was helpful to disentangle my thoughts my feelings, as well as bring my questions to God. Can I encourage you to invite Jesus in to the tension, but also invite him into the suffering, into the pain. Mary says to Jesus in verse 34, come and see. A simple invite to Jesus to join her. Join me in this, Lord. Be part of this with me. Look for yourself. Share this with me. Be alongside us, sitting, kneeling, standing, praying, moving, be in silence, be with me in, in this, be with us in this. Come and see and invite for Jesus to join them. And as Mary and Martha invited Jesus into their grief, they and others around them witness and experience the deep emotions that Jesus felt for their loss and for, for his own loss for his friend Lazarus. In verse 33 and 38, we read of this deep groaning in his spirit and the trouble he felt. And then in verse 35, the shortest verse in the whole Bible, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse, but yet one of the most beautiful, loving and pastorally comforting. God of highest heaven joined his friends in their grief and wept alongside them. And before Jesus raises Lazarus, which we'll read in a moment, Jesus weeps for him, showing his great love, not just for him, but also that his connection with his friends. Jesus' response to our invite to join us in what we're experiencing is shown here through his expression of deep emotion. Jesus, God, weeps with us. Today, please know that Jesus is deeply moved by the suffering that you're going through or have gone through. He loves you and he weeps for you. But he's also with you in it. Even through the silence, he's there. His seeming silence does not mean that he is absent. My first point was, was hold on to hope. My second was to invite Jesus in. And my third is, is to ask God to be glorified. It's praying a prayer, 
God be glorified through my suffering, through my pain, through the situation, even if that means a continued heartache and pain and shame and illness and suffering and struggle. This is the hardest prayer, probably the hardest prayer that any of us will ever pray. It's laying ourselves down as Jesus did. This is, this is an act of worship. This is praising God through the storm as we sung in, at the start. This is trusting that, that God is sovereign over us when we don't understand. This is holding on to hope that God can bring transformation or breakthrough to a situation, even if you don't see it happening this side of eternity. The truth of scripture is God can and God wants to bring life into each area of brokenness. He wants to bring hope where there's despair. And as we see at the end of this passage, Jesus can restore and transform even the most desperate of situations. I'll read from verse 39. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odour for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I realise that this passage has a happy ending for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus is healed. He's not just healed, he's raised to life. And there's a big celebration. And I want to just say to you, God is still doing this today. God still heals today and he restores relationships today. He, he pieces back lives when they fall apart today. And he even raises people from the dead today. He can and he is. But I recognise that if you're going through a time in your life now where life just feels as if it's falling apart, where you can't see the evidence of your prayers or the answer uh, that you're looking for of your prayers. Wait, maybe you've lost a loved one who wasn't healed and you're heartbroken. Or there's a continued illness. Well, um, just every day is, is hard and the suffering and pain just hasn't been taken away. Then you may be thinking, the reality for Mary and Martha isn't my reality. What does Stephen know? He doesn't understand how it feels. He doesn't know what I'm going through right now. I've got so many questions and I'm just clinging on. I am so sorry for the heartache and pain that you're going through. For the knocks and for the setbacks, for the tears and for your heartbreak. I'm sorry that there's brokenness and hurt and maybe you don't know where to turn. I can say hold on to hope. I can say invite Jesus in. 
And I encourage you to do those two things. But can I ask you, can I invite you to allow us as a church to help? To help bring hope. To stand alongside you and, and help you to hold on to hope. As, as family, let's, hold, let's help you hold on to God. When you feel like giving up, let us have that hope for you. God wants to step in uh, to, to what you're going through, to sit with you, to cry with you, to hold you in the silence, to comfort you, to meet you right where you are. No masks, no need to pretend that things are better than you're feeling. God is saying today, let me come in, let me in, let me help you. And as your family, as God's family around you, we promise to play our part in supporting you. We may have um, got it wrong before, we may have made mistakes before, but let us um, play a part in supporting you now. We will get on our knees and pray for you and with you. We will pray when you don't have the words. We will have hope when all hope is gone from you. When you don't have the energy, we will fight on our knees for you. We promise to help love you in more than words. A walk and a talk, a cuppa, a hug when we're allowed, meals, advice, Someone just to listen to you, not saying anything, or to just sit in silence, company. We promise to be family, real family. And we may not be there yet, but we're heading in that direction, as God intended us to be. Loving each other and lifting each other up to him. The real source of comfort and hope. Not, not us as the source of comfort and hope, but God himself. And we will help you know that although things are hard, although things are maybe falling apart, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And he will speak his hope over you. He will not fail you. He will strengthen you. He will restore you. We're going to have a moment of silence. And then Josh Hounsel is going to lead us in a song, declaring God's love, declaring God's truth, declaring that nothing can separate us from his love and that his love doesn't fail. And I pray that we will know God with us through the times where it is hard when things feel like they're falling apart. Let's just pray, have a moment of silence, and then I'll hand over to Josh. God, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you in. Help us to hold on to hope. Help us to be church family for one another. And I pray, God, that we will see you do amazing things because you can, 
and you are able. And even if we do not see those things, we know that you are with us and help us to experience that. God, be glorified through lives being transformed and situations completely changed. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Josh. Do lead us in a song of response.